Section 5 of Gutenberg and the Art of Printing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by E. Sharp. Gutenberg and the Art of Printing by Emily Clemens Pearson. Chapter 5. Pecuniary Troubles, an Expedient, Disappointment, the Jewels, A Sale, Apprentices, Visit to the Cathedral, and a New Enterprise. Gutenberg's gratifying success was not devoid of trial, as has been hinted. In his hasty flight from Mentz, he had little money with him, and years of embarrassment followed, despite his diligence in business and economy. His mother's remittances had been carefully husbanded, but since engaging in block printing, this store had wasted away. How could he retrieve his losses and gain means to bring out other discoveries? He revolved the matter while Anna slept, and, rising with early dawn, took impressions of the St. Christopher. At breakfast he told his wife of his purpose to sell them to his neighbors. She warmly approved, and offered to arrange them in the shop greatly to the relief of Gutenberg, who answered with emotion, So thoughtful of thee, my Anna, and our necessity urgeth speedy sales. Aye, they shall beautify the shop, said the little lady as she arranged the cuts, placing one here, another there, and viewing the effect of the light, and hide her to the adjoining room, just when Mrs. Anna Schultheis stepped into the shop on her way home from the market. Her dowry jewels were being reset, and she was anxious to get them. "'My jewels not yet done!' she exclaimed. "'All indeed, master, and how can I go to the marriage feast wanting them?' "'Be content, mistress,' replied Gutenberg. "'Thou shall have them at sunset.' "'Thanks, good master. But what pictures are these?' Glancing around the room as she spoke. As he passed one for her inspection, she cried, Mirabile, the good saint, see him bearing the infant Jesus over the water. How could the child have forded the stream without him? Wrap the picture nicely, and I will take it home with me. My husband is a formschneider, and thou mayest need his aid. Gutenberg crimsoned, but gave her the cut on her own terms, and she bore it away with delight. When next a neighbor called, and after admiring the prince, purchased one, the inventor breathed more freely, and the lively sound of his graving tools soon indicated how greatly encouragement lightened his toil. Others, however, calling to purchase gems, chose the pictures. At the evening meal Anna was radiant, and congratulated her husband that the pictures found a ready sale. "'Nevertheless, I have lost money to-day,' replied he, a little depressed. "'Ah! And how did it happen?' "'Those who purchased prints had purposed to buy gems, and a fair estimation makes me the loser. The pictures draw attention from my jewels and mirrors, and do not return an equivalent.' I fear the two pursuits will so conflict as to prevent success with either. Anna was illy prepared for this intelligence, and urged, 
but thou wilt do better when used to both labours. Moreover, I can aid thee. Did I not arrange the cuts? And when the wood-carrier admired my print, did I not sell him one, and allow him to bring wood in payment? Thou hast well earned a benediction, returned the husband, smiling. When dost thou go to Notre Dame Cathedral? asked Anna. When I shall have finished the father's jewels, I must confess to thee, dear, as before, that in engraving blocks I have lost ground in my trade. Nevertheless, replied Anna, bent on dispelling his despondency, it is a favorable omen that thy handicraft of pictures is of the saint that shieldeth from evil. By dint of close application, Gutenberg, having completed the superior's jewels by noon of the next day, returned to his engraved blocks, and before evening of the second day had given the finishing touch to several prints. Laden with jewels and pictures, he left the house, Anna wishing him Godspeed, and watching him till the mass of vines, shrubbery, and apple-trees hid him from sight. The cloistered cathedral was not far distant, yet the winding way which led there was quickly lost in the luxuriant foliage. On his arrival he was ushered into the library, which might be termed a scriptorium, or monk's writing-room, where so many copyists there plied the pen. Having delivered the jewels, he showed the pictures. "'Whose handicraft may this be?' quoth a grey-headed friar. "'The name of the artisan does not appear,' was the reply. "'Where didst thou obtain them?' asked another. "'Suffer me to keep a little secret,' replied Gutenberg, "'which would not benefit thee if told.' "'I will purchase the entire lot,' said the abbot, after examining them. "'They will grace the walls of the library, and tend to preserve us from evil.' Anna came running to meet Gutenberg as he returned, and was well pleased to learn of the sale. "'And now,' said she, "'thou art in a fair way to get rich.' But Gutenberg said, gravely, we must not forget that the steady gains of regular business are more to be relied on than occasional successes in other pursuits. Yet Gutenberg was himself loath to take this view, and turned reluctantly to his trade. Not long after, he was surprised one morning by the entrance of Andrew Dritzen, an intelligent citizen of Strasbourg, stout and hale-looking, and about thirty-five years of age. Taking a seat, he wound through a long talk, and at last made known his errand, which was to ask that Gutenberg would allow him to come and learn his trade. The latter loved the quiet of his own thoughts too well to choose the presence of a workman in his shop. But when he considered that if he once had a good artisan in his employ, the jewel and mirror business could go on, and himself have more time for his printing researches, he decided to engage Dritzen. But no sooner was Dritzen in favor with his new employer than he introduced his friends, Heilman, whose brother was the first papermaker in Strasbourg, and Riff, who craved a like favor of being admitted to learn Gutenberg's trade. The shop now presented a busy scene with three apprentices. Dritzen, careful, plodding, ingenious, and eager to learn, 
Griff, mostly engaged on mirrors, complacently catching glimpses of his own round visage as his work waxed bright, and Heilman, polishing jewels and making himself generally useful. But what with the din of the wheel, saw, chisel, and polisher, the inventor had little time for thought. It was, How shall I do this, Master Gutenberg? What next, Master? From morning till night, and he could not command time to pursue his engraved blocks as he had hoped. Yet it was necessary, for the purpose of disguising from his associates for a longer time the real object of his secret enterprise, to devote himself with them to many curious and secondary industries. There was the cutting and fashioning of precious stones, the polishing of Venetian glass to make mirrors, cutting the mirrors into facets or diamonds, the encasing them in copper frames, which he enriched with figures of wood, representing personages of fable and of the Bible. These mirrors were sold at the fair of Aix-la-Chapelle, and helped the funds of the association, as well as Gutenberg, in the secret expenses destined to accomplish and perfect his invention. To secure the needed seclusion, he fitted up a room, and spent his evenings on the hidden art in the presence of Anna, after the workmen had left the front shop. For the purpose of selling St. Christopher's, he visited again Notre-Dame, and on his return Anna's glance at his face assured her that he brought good news. Ah, said he, but it is not because I have returned with much money, although I may have done as well. And undoing a wrapper he produced the Historia Sancti Johannis Evangelistae, or History of St. John the Evangelist, which he had obtained in exchange for the cuts. What do you think of this? said he. See, it is written on vellum, and illuminated initials. It has sixty-three pages. And observe, it is copied with a pen. Some patient monk has toiled over this many a weary day in his cell, but I have a plan which I think will be an improvement, which is to engrave it as I did the picture. Engrave a book? It would be delightful to have one made by thine own skill. Yes, and when once the blocks are engraved for the book, a block for a page, sixty-three blocks, I can impress a score of books as well as one copy. And thou canst sell books as well as the monks, cried Anna joyfully. Neither wilt thou be shut up in a cloister a year to copy one small book. But I wouldn't wonder when the blocks are prepared, if thou couldst make a book in a day, even saving time and earning money. A likely matter, truly, but we must not build air-castles. Sage advice for him to give, who was himself a castle-builder, as are all enthusiastic people. May they never be less. For what would be done in this work-a-day world without the healthful stimulus of the illusions of hope? A small table in the sitting-room was at evening a workbench. It was neatly covered in the daytime, and Anna's workbox was on it. But the inventor found it necessary to seek entire seclusion for some of his processes, and secured, it is said, a fitting place in the ruins of the St. Arbogast Monastery, abandoned to the moles and the bats 
save the part which was inhabited by the poor people of the suburbs of Strasbourg. And there, in a forsaken cloister, he established his secret study and workshop, whither he withdrew whenever his presence could be spared from the front shop. Not even to Anna did he divulge his hidden work. She was content, knowing that in good time she would know the result. Evening came, and in the quiet home-room the inventor commenced engraving the first page of the history of St. John, carefully tracing the letters on the smooth surface of the block, and imitating the most approved copyist's hand. As Anna watched him, she thought them perfect, and with good reason. Toil on, busy worker! Glorious things will follow thy labor! End of section 5